and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates who capturing our viewing history recommend films to each other so we can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? As always, I'm Sam Blakely, and as always, for the 52nd time, I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. How's it going, Hugh? Hey, Sam, how are you doing? Not so bad, not so bad. Is it... Is it- is it relevant that it's the 52nd episode? Is it like, Just, are you expecting Samuel Jackson to walk in the <laughs> I'm sure it's special to somebody. That's, no, that's the, that's the 51st date, 51st isn't it? Date. This is the sequel. That, that's a, Do the sequel. Yeah, yeah, the, the one that nobody wanted. <laughs> now, Hugh, I'm keen to find out how you're doing, but I care less about that than actually the most exciting thing is that we have another guest Standard. with us, a whole brand new guest uh, that's not related to either of no. us or, uh, or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> and this is... Uh, that you know of. <laughs> we're all related in the sort of cosmic nature, man. <laughs> the real reason we've got you on tonight. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Meet your dad. <laughs> so we're, we're, How is that possible, sir? We're joined by Kit Tinsley of Everything Everything Fear. Uh, Kit, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. Thank you very much. Sam, how are you? Yeah, yeah, really good actually. I'm, I'm excited to get you on because you're a, you're a horror aficionado, and we've got a I suppose a horror yes. sort of film uh, for today. He's also delighted that he has a new child now as well. So it's, <laughs> it's a big surprise for us all. Uh, so as as we always do uh, with a whole new guest, we're going to spend I'd say three to four hours getting to know Kit and really just get just really get Buckle into the in. number of okay. what makes Kit tip, <laughs> tick. Uh, well, so, so tell us about your so tell us about your mother. <laughs> Are you on a reclining sofa? <laughs> Now, Kit, yeah. uh, let's get deep. Yeah, give us give us a little uh, a little bio of, of who you are, particularly from a film point of view. You know, who are you? Uh, yeah. From a film point of view, well, um, I studied film at university, specialised in horror film. Uh, I actually taught nice. taught horror film as well at various <laughs> levels and film production. Uh, is that is that I'm kind also, of theory and so on? How, you know, what is what do you cover in that? Well. In film studies, it was mainly film theory. So, you know, basically looking at a film and studying it the way you'd study a book in like, English literature. Right. Um, the actual film Less production. Though. Not as much page turning, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas film production was obviously more sort of filmmaking techniques. I was teaching students. Um, yeah. And then. Are you, are you a budding I've filmmaker always, yourself? I, I am. I, I produced a film a couple of years ago, uh, right. which is on Amazon Prime called Shadows of a Stranger. Uh, I'm make I, a I also, of that. Next week's episode I also acted in that very badly. Right, okay. <laughs> Shadows of a Stranger. Excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've always been a horror fan, and I've written three horror novels, a collection of short stories. And yeah, so it was just the natural progression to do a podcast about horror really fantastic we've got someone on who actually produces things and has done product productive uh, things with their life knows who, who has more than an a level in media <laughs> studies <laughs> that's fantastic yeah, i always joke with i always joke with sam because um i have a, like i said a media a level studies and i'm like oh i know more about film <laughs> here we are 15 years later and he's still dining out on that jesus so with that in mind yeah. i mean what what are the big uh you know let's say your five favorite horror films or i suppose five favorite films but that's probably horror films i assume given your tastes um most of them yeah i i'd say well my favorite film of all time is ghostbusters 
So there's a supernatural <laughs> element there. Yeah. That's not a very that's not a very academic, you know, it, it's the thing, isn't it? You, you always well, want to say doctors. something clever. I yeah. always want to go, you know, oh yeah, it's Citizen Kane or something like that. But no, no, it's Ghostbusters. Um, my favourite horror <laughs> film is Nightmare on Elm Street, the original right. Wes Craven film. Uh, I just think it was such an innovative idea, you know, and a terrifying idea. Sleep is supposed to be a safe place. <laughs> it's your own subconscious and someone can invade that and kill you that's it, it terrifying. gave me nightmares it is really a terrifying yeah because you, you're not running away from somebody and then they're safe or you can't ax somebody and then you're safe you, that's it they're always there in your asleep. head <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's uh, sleep know, is such a sure basic I've thing i've actually seen it really yeah I'm not, i know i know like the premise of it and all that that it's like johnny depp and his mates are all like terrorized by somebody who's killing them in their sleep because he's like, is he the former school janitor that got accused of murdering somebody or something? Or yeah, he was. He was a serial killer who got off on a technicality in the original, and uh, that was it. Yeah, the parents but, torched him. That was it. Yeah, they, they took revenge, didn't they? And, yeah, uh, that's why he's got. But for some reason, because of. Uh, I don't know, because of movie logic, he can kill people in their dreams. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. I think that's definitely a good future episode then, because really our show is all about watching films we really ought I mean, to have seen by now. do I have to watch Nightmare on Elm Street? If I suggest it, yes. It. <laughs> I would one highly thing, recommend one thing it. I would, <laughs> one thing I would say, Kit, is like when me and Sam were debating about starting this podcast, it was obviously because we recommend films to one another, it was a lot to do with films neither of us had seen. Yeah. And one genre that I'm not particularly strong on is horror. I mean, I watched quite a bit of it when I was a kid, but then I kind of drifted away from it as a teenager and yeah. into my, like, and I kind of stopped watching it then by the time I got into my 20s and things like that. And Yeah, so I, I, I've seen bit, I've seen enough of it, <laughs> put it that way. To kind of but that's the thing, it, I don't you know, we've covered like a lot like that, like you know, that I don't think there was much in The Shining that surprised you, there wasn't much in, say, pre- no. the pre- in Predator that surprised me, This it really is about finally closing those gaps, uh, you know, yeah. what would you, so Kit, have you got any, like, what are the big films you haven't seen that you sort of, you tell people, yeah, I saw it a long time ago, I can't really remember it, but, you know, secretly, you haven't seen it. I'll, one I've not seen all the way through. I've seen, I've seen the start of it. I've seen middle bits and I've seen the end, but I don't know if I've seen the entire film. Is Rosemary's Baby? Right. Yeah. See, I haven't seen that. Um, no, me neither. Can't say I have. It's one of those that you know when you, especially when you're dealing with the horror genre, it's such an important film, apparently. But mm. I just can't get through it. <laughs> <laughs> That's often yeah. what this is, isn't it? Films that you sort of tried but never quite wanted to finish and, and so are there yeah. any of the big classics like for me it was a lot of Star Wars films uh, for a lot of people they haven't seen Godfather or Shawshank Redemption are there any that you feel actually yeah people would judge you for um uh, I've watched an obscene amount of films so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it would make uh, sense. So, are you the guy who just knows all? Have you? Are you the guy who's seen all the films? Then you're like, when someone brings up a really obscure film, you're like, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, I enjoyed the uh, characterization of the detectives. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> uh, although 
I, I finally met someone who knows more about German cinema than me recently, and that kind of freaked me out. Was it a German um, person? Because, because that feels like cheating. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> they were but, Japanese. It was a strange, strange Venn diagram. You know, I, I know a bit about sort of German uh, cinema of the uh, 70s, but he knew far more than me. And, it's disgusting, uh, isn't it, when you find someone yeah. like that? Like, I, I, I was, like this going, is my oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so do you, do you have like a particular favourite sort of decade or movement within the horror genre itself you know it was very popular in like the 70s and 80s i I do i do love the 70s sort of independent horror things like um well uh dawn of the dead um the early west craven films the early john carpenter films um but i also really like 80s horror and i i think we're coming back into a sort of new golden age of horror now with a lot of more sort of artsy we watched intelligent yeah, horror films watched, coming out we watched uh midsummer or midsummer yeah. if you, as you have to midsummer. say last <laughs> yeah we, we watched that earlier i mean i think it was about october or something it was halloween year? wasn't it halloween uh, special it was halloween you're right yeah um and that was i yeah it was sort of october um, november I, time right on the cusp i think <laughs> yeah right on the cusp yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we watched uh, midsummer and um what we doing the that shadows? was a really good film yeah I was, it was i was unexpectedly good yes you know, it's a great film a bit, it, it feels like yeah, with the really with the sort of netflix model uh, you know very like one to five million budget sort of films. You get so many interesting horrors out of that and from different countries. Um, uh, future episodes, we're going to cover a Babadook and um, It Follows, which I know Hugh hasn't seen oh, either yeah. of those. You know, just really innovative no, things. Are there are there some obscure new things that we ought to have on that list? Do you think? Um, the The Lighthouse. Oh, I love that. That was, the last, that was the last film I saw in the cinema before they all closed... <laughs> yeah. uh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Great that's fun. it at the moment. There's like not a lot coming out at the moment. No, I'm really excited that they're all starting to slowly open now, which is yes, going to be great. Yeah, I've still I've still been playing for, paying for my limitless card through this just to support them. You know, my local cinema. <laughs> Don't sound chain. bitter at all. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely abuse that like a motherfucker <laughs> when it all ends. <laughs> I'll be there twice a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, so you so it seems like you've got a very thorough knowledge of uh, cinema and a very thorough knowledge of, knowledge of horror films. Uh, yeah, I like we've to think practically so. Sam. Mm. We've practically got an expert on. Uh, well, this is like it. Our first expert. <laughs> more, more. Who isn't just a filthy casual like me? He actually knows <laughs> what civilian. he's talking about. I mean, I'd love to give you a, <laughs> yeah. a, a chance if you want Kit to just give a little plug for your podcast because I think there's a lot of great stuff there. Oh uh, yes, yeah. well, it's called Everything Fear because um, we cover all aspects of the horror genre. Mm. Uh, we have uh, short fiction, we have obviously movie reviews, movie news, true horror stories, and interviews with people involved in horror in the film world, the literary world. Uh, we've had actors, we've had directors, we've had writers, uh, and then we also have music on as well that's sort of spooky it's so unsettling. It's just a great choice of of, of gen, like of general music and little stings and so on. It's it's so une- it makes you so uneasy listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a what's good been one. your uh, favorite? What's been your favorite interview so far that you've done? Um, I really enjoyed talking to um, David Howard Thornton, the actor who played uh, Art the Clown in the film Terrifier. Which, if you haven't seen, that's really over the top 80s style gore film but Fantastic. more recent 
Um, right, I see. And also Tuesday night from Nightmare on Elm Street 4, because I'm such a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan. <laughs> yeah, um, that sounds fantastic. But talking to some of these sort of independent filmmakers as well, and people who work on really low budgets and learning how they do what they do. I mean, you know, like you say, Andrew Jones, a guy who makes a film in eight days, basically. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's it. Just, and, and he was talking about the compromises and the sort of, you look back yeah. at it and you go, I really like that scene, but that scene, I wish we'd had another day on that. Yeah. And it's like, here's five grand, make a film, please, and it'll be in the show and in the yeah. cinemas. <laughs> that's it. And, and, you know, he brings out like, five or six films a year and it's, yeah. it's incredible well this is it for someone like me I mean, who's if never... anything if you're doing it in eight days that's quite lazy you expect at least 12 you know, yeah. like a month to make one, once a month you know a week for shooting yeah. three weeks for post-production Just well, this, in post, I, guess. I mean the film I yeah. produced lazy bastard <laughs> the film I produced took um, took about four four five weeks of shooting Wow. And then That's two more than, years. Uh, more than Lost Boys. Yeah, two years of post production. Jesus. <laughs> so, That's like an Edgar Wright film, <laughs> taking all the editing. In, in fairness. It's like a Kubrick film. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, we um, we had no budget, really. We mm. I think we it, it was probably about four grand, maybe, wow. we had to spend. And we decided to do something simple. So we did a two and a half hour film. The original Sounds cut, two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> the original cut was two and a half hours. I think it's a bit shorter now, uh, but two and a half mm. hour film shot entirely on blue screen with all the backgrounds digitally put in, like Sin City. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so you know no budget for four grand you could barely buy a computer that would do that for that sort of that cash. legitimately sounds like you did that for like your final year dissertation or something you know no, it's like, no. what I'm going to do to challenge myself is I'm going to do a film entirely on blue screen we, we built Lucas, what, we yeah. built an enormous blue screen studio in a barn in the Lincolnshire countryside <laughs> Well, that was the thing when you were, in your interview with Andrew Jones, and he's do. saying like his films tend to, you know, it's like uh, war and um, zombies. <laughs> so we just made a war like, film. Yeah. Well, use more than five grand then if you're going to make a war film. <laughs> I would go for like a Twelve Angry Men style. This is just some men in a room, okay, and they happen to all be my friends and me, and I'll film it myself. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's stretching a budget. Sam, that sounds like the start of a gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I got into the industry, as you know. <laughs> well, deeming on that tash, I can see why. Well, so that's called Everything Fear, is that correct? Yes, it is, yeah. And that's, and we'll, uh, and we'll that's put a, is that on all major links. podcasting oh, thank you. platforms, yeah. We'll link you to High Hell. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Because you like horror films. <laughs> yeah. Right, <laughs> right, so Sam, what, what film are we looking at today then? Looking what at the film, the 1987... To, to eulogise about. The 1987 Joel Schumacher classic, The Lost Boys. Obviously we lost Joel Schumacher quite recently, so it seemed yep. apposite. Before we I mean, get, that means he died. He's, he's not. He've, he's not been misplaced. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. No, he's, we, we know. We, we, we know where there. he is. It's just not with us anymore. And before he left us, or thirty-three years before he left us, he made a brilliant film called The Lost Boys. So what we're going to do is uh, Kit and I are really going to talk about why this is such a good film. Uh, we'll give a little plot plot summary, and then uh, we'll find out Hugh's views. So. I'm going to give a, a 10 second plot summary um, a young family moved to Santa Clara, basically Santa Cruz uh, out to this weird carnival town and 
the elder son becomes a vampire, a half vampire, and it's all about the struggles with. If you've not seen the film, you shouldn't be listening to the podcast. We're full of spoilers. It's a vampire film with teenagers, and it's kind of more about drugs. Um, so, <laughs> Kit, as our as our expert speaker guest, I really want to hear from you. What uh, this was actually your suggestion, or one of the key suggestions you made. What is it that you love about Lost yeah. Boys so much? I think that it's one of those rare horror comedies where it works as both a horror and a comedy. Mm. It's a very funny film and it has some very creepy moments. Uh, Usually a horror comedy is either too much one way or the other. Yeah. Something like Shaun of the Dead. It's a great film, but it's much more a comedy than a horror. It's not very scary, but it is like you say, it's, it's a great film. It's more comedy, yeah. So that's one thing I really like about it. Um, I also think it was the sort of the film that sort of reinvented vampires mm. for the modern era uh, at that time. Anyway, um, well, I was going to I was going to ask this actually. I'm I'm not as you know uh, I don't know the horror films as well as you. Uh, were there sort of sexy vampires before this? Were, you know, is this really is it? Then I can't think of anything like this pre this. I mean, there had been, but not quite as mainstream perhaps as the lost boys i right. mean you had films like um tony scott's the hunger with david bowie and Catherine uh Deneuve. um and obviously um there were sort of several sexier iterations of perhaps the dracula story but again that's a very right. sort of gothic sort of old world story whereas this was bringing it bang up to date and you know yeah leather jackets and bikes Yes, making it very, very 80s. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most 80s films I've ever seen. It really is. I love that, but... <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, the, for me, the 80s is the worst decade in human civilization. Um, and this film has everything that I don't like about the 80s, but somehow put together, it's like when Mr. Burns has every possible disease and it means his immune system's perfect. <laughs> As a result, like, not, they can, not, no more can get through. I don't know what it is about this film. Like, if, I think if I watched this for the first time now, I'd probably dislike it, like the Goonies. But actually, it's wonderfully camp and 80s, isn't it, in that sense? It is, yeah. When did you first see it then, Sam? I was very young, I think probably... You know, not maybe not even a teenager. Yeah, really young. Yeah. yeah, me and Joe, me and my brother watched this a lot growing up. Yeah, I think I first watched it when I was about eleven, maybe. Yeah, no, probably less than that. Which is just probably on, about ten, actually. Just on the cusp of un, in, unacceptable, but but I think yeah. all of us really, you know, sort of born in the eighties and nineties, certainly have irresponsible parenting who let us watch horror films. I mean, you're messed up, let's face it. You are you're so far gone that presumably you watched a lot of horror films when you were when you were very young. Um, I, d- I did watch quite a few. I mean, my parents were always quite good about it. They they would watch things first and decide whether it was... Right, okay, that sounds quite too responsible. Suitable. Um, except, for, except for perhaps the time when I was five and my dad went, oh, right, let's watch this film, sit down. And he put Alien on um, <laughs> when I was five. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Although as a five-year-old, you're probably not even able to really follow it. You just see like, this big, scary monster. That, well, that's it. it. And, yeah. and here you are, traumatised decades later. Yes, really. but <laughs> in quite a successful way. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way you've got to make money out of your sort of traumas and neuroses, and you've done excellently well out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Um, so yeah, what's so? Is there any like specifics about this film that you like? Do you like um, certain characters or certain 
actors in it or what what like i really that. like is is the um because the the title the lost boys is obviously a reference to um peter pan mm, yeah. yeah and the original script apparently was much closer to that um Kiefer sutherland's character was actually originally called peter yeah <laughs> it would make um, sense <laughs> but i kind of like that sort of modern fairy tale element mm. to it i think it yeah it's, it's under the surface isn't it it's, there's not that yeah. many knowing winks to it other than those little things you know i think lucy was originally gonna be called wendy um yeah i think it was um that sort of the original writers they were they were speculating that maybe the reason why peter pan can fly really spends most of his time out at night and never ages is because he's a vampire. Well, that, that's it. I mean, if you look back at Peter nice Pan, there are sort of hints there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart there's no... I don't think there's any blood sucking as far as I can remember, but it's been a while. Not that I remember. Not in the Robin Williams version. version. It, would de- it would definitely uh, frame Captain Hook in a very different way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, make him the vampire. <laughs> it'd make him the hero. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, what about you, Sam? What do you like about this film? There's so many things. And from a, from an evocative kind of nostalgic sense, the soundtrack is brilliant. Um, from yes. the Echo and the Bunnymen version of uh, People Are Strange to, I mean, the, the key song, the uh, what's it called Cry, Cry Little Sister, written for yes. the song, written, written for the film, is so memorable and so interwoven in my memory with this with this film. It's It's so brilliant. It's just that opening shot, isn't it, of the, of the water coming up to the, mm. um, the fairground and you hear that song yeah etched into your memory it is and for the listener hopefully right now we're going to play some of that song That's a job for you to do. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's it is really brilliant, and it's <laughs> and it's um, like a lot of vampire films as well. It's sort of metaphorical, isn't it? It tends to be about a sexual awakening, or uh, if it's gothic, yes. it's like a, it's a foreign intrusion and, and that sort of sense. And it really is, you know, like basically a drug addiction partying sort of thing. He's wearing the shades. He's, he's staying up all night. Yes, it's. Sort of um... Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> metaphor, the vampire is, the vampire has been used a lot for you know different sort of allegories over mm. years, and I, a lot of it is to do with addiction. And I think this one definitely fits into that. Yeah, well, it doesn't category. really have as much, or maybe it does. A lot of vampire stuff was about the duality of man. Sort of not long after natural selection was was kind of discovered as a theory, you get yeah. people like Bram Stoker and then you know Robert Louis Stevenson sort of dealing with the idea that man is is human but animal as well. I don't really sense that as much here. It's not really as much about about that, but it's very sexy. You know, it, it is a sort of yeah, but it's not so much about the duality of man. I don't think, although. I suppose, having said that, uh, Max is very sort of urbane and bespectacled gentleman uh, who, spoiler alert, <laughs> turns out to be the head vampire. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I Isn't think it's it, definitely... I would say... Sorry, keep going. 
I'd say that it's definitely more to do with sort of teenage, the the pitfalls perhaps of teenage awakening, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, just that sort of. Yeah, the, the, you know, uh, David's passing around his blood. And I think we've all been in that situation where we've maybe got older friends or we're in a group of new of strangers who are doing things that older people do. And it just feels like an initiation to this adult world. Yeah. And you sort of... Cats it. I can't tell you the amount of times I've drunk blood trying to impress a girl. You know? <laughs> now, Hugh doesn't really speak in metaphors. <laughs> like very literal-minded. <laughs> But, you know, sort of my, a lot of my neighbours and so on, they were a few years older, so it's kind of been introduced to those those things quite early and not being sure what to do and you sort of don't speak much, but you, you try it anyway because you don't want to be, you don't want to be judged by them. Square, man. Such yeah. a square. The location is fantastic yeah. as well. It's so, again, so evocative. The mixture of the sort of carnival stuff and the house where they are, just covered in taxidermy and antlers everywhere and wood. Yes, brilliant set design, isn't it? Fantastic. Really, really good. So what do you think that I might not like about this film, gentlemen? I I, I think you might think it's camp nonsense. It might be a case of you, <laughs> you're sort of too old to watch it for the first time, 33 years removed from, from the film being made. What do you think about that? Camp? Yeah, possibly the how 80s it is could be a problem <laughs> for people watching it now. I mean, you've got uh, what is essentially time. Shawn Michaels greased up playing the saxophone. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> so 80s. <laughs> um, I did think there was a wrestling ring missing. But I also think Hughes a stickler for uh, internal logic films and I don't really know if the vampiric rules make sense or are consistent in any way the sort of the way they can play with Michael's mind so much but then that never comes in really in the final battle all that much yeah there's a lot of general vague mind control powers that a lot of vampires have had in in novels and films over the years yeah, and it's well, just sort of used in that one scene, isn't it? It's not really then yeah. explored anymore. Or you just sort of hear well, it whispering into Dracula into able to do stuff, isn't Isn't Dracula able to do mind control these stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Understanding it. I've never actually read it, so I'll uh, have to be enlightened on it from uh, yourself and Kit. If you have read it, or if you yeah, read it, we read it at A level, but it's, it's been a while. But um, but yeah, I've it's, read the book and seen many, many film versions. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> and it is a trope, isn't it? It's uh, vampires just have a lot of vague psychological powers, and they definitely do here. You know, uh, David's very powerful in that sense, but not necessarily uses it when he needs to. It just seems to be for for effect. So it's possible he yeah. might really like that. And it is a very heavy-handed metaphor, but most gothic is, most horror is. You know, it's about be a virgin and don't try anything new and you'll survive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great things I like about this. I, I love the introduction of the idea of a half vampire. I don't think I'd seen that before. You know, he's kind of halfway there, but he can be saved. Yeah. And he's got saved to actually kill, the, kill. Uh, yeah. the head vampire. That's right. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I've seen that before that. I think I might have seen some that have used something similar afterwards, but... Yeah. Thinking about it, I don't think that had been done before. And I think Interview with the Vampire was written before this, but obviously the film came out a few years after. And they yes. kind of exp- they have the, the idea that a lot have... I think, it's been a while since I've seen it, I think they have that idea that, you know, um, you need to be fed on and then feed in order to be made, 
or you die. Yes. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Which is why they explain why the victims don't. I think come I back. think that is actually in Dracula as well. That does ring a bell. Yeah, it's been a good because years since I read it. because Mina has to drink from Dracula, right? And then feed herself. I think. Yeah. So there's an and then part. she saved at the end. So yeah. Similar, I think what we do in the shadows, they've got a similar sort of law as well. Um, but I, I yes. do like, and it's it is a bit. Um, it can be a bit repetitive with vampire novels and films. Basically, that it all comes down to that moral conundrum of well, you have to feed. So what you're going to do? And you get people like Angel in Buffy who, um, you know, visits blood banks and that sort of thing. You know, that, that's how you show he's a good guy. <laughs> uh, whereas in you know, he's like, yeah, oh, it's that girl from the from the um, not the pier. What do you call it? Uh, the boardwalk, uh, you know, and don't tell me just because she's a vampire that makes her a good person. Oh, she's not a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of have to feed to be a vampire. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing for me with this film, the tagline sums it up, it's appeal to a teen audience, you know, mm. sleep all day, party all night, never <laughs> grow old, never die, it's fun to be a vampire. Yeah, That's... it basically <laughs> coincides with MTV uh, being created yes. <laughs> it does capture that and, and and gothic and horror are so good at capturing zeitgeists uh, whether that is yeah. like dracula a lot of it was a you know a fear of foreign influence and he's he's a foreign gent coming over coming over here taking our That's virgins right. you know <laughs> fecking greeks ted <laughs> um, so yeah so fecking transylvania <laughs> <laughs> So Hugh's been very patient there. I'm really keen to get what we call Hugh's views on this. So we're going to go for a little break. Um, When we come back, we're going to get Hugh's views. Hello and welcome back. We are now breath duly baited, uh, ready for Hugh's views. As we always do, Hugh, tell us what you liked about The Lost Boys. Um, so this is perfect, kind of. But I'll, I'll, I'll end your review there. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do it's tune in of... next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> it's just eighties kind of horror schlock, isn't it? Mm. There's no, you know, we always talk about a film being fit for what it. If it's judge it on its own merits, you say this film is good by what it wants to be. Not, yeah. You know, if it's aspiring to more and it misses, then it's a bad film. If it's if it's doing what it says on the tin, then it's done its job. And this pretty much does what it says on the tin. Fantastic. There is no depth to this film. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've stepped in. I've stepped in deeper puddles. To be honest, um, like you said, the the allegory here for drugs and don't do drugs is mm-hmm. ridiculous at every turn. It's, you know, girls and drugs. Oh, yeah. don't, get, don't get in with the wrong crowd. Otherwise, you'll be become a vampire and wake up at two o'clock in the afternoon and west. And yeah, essentially, what it's saying is, if you do drugs, you'll be Become cool. Yeah, that's it forever. Because <laughs> you'll wear a because you'll wear a leather jacket, look awesome, and wear sunnies, <laughs> and get all the chicks. Have Billy yeah. Idol's hair. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You'll have sunglasses during the day when it's sunny. <laughs> you know, why are you wearing your sunglasses indoors? Yeah, I like the fact that there's kind of like there's like almost three storylines that all converge into one in this film. Mm. You've got kind of like the serious kind of teen drama with. Um, Jason Patrick's character Michael and him chasing after uh, Star. What a stupid name that is! <laughs> <laughs> Very eighties hippie, isn't it? Uh, chasing after Star, and then you've got like um, 
you've got is it Corey Hyams, little Sam? He's running around basically, like you said, being a, a vampire hunter, ghostbuster. Kind yeah, of character. they were Boy Scouts back uh, in the day, back in the original version. Yeah, I mean those three, just uh, the two Frog Brothers and Sam together, <laughs> they're just brilliant. Well, funny. listen, like Corey like, Feldman, he was he was told to go watch Slice to Learn and uh, Chuck Norris films, and then play those characters. But as his character isn't in on the joke like Kit said you know it's not yeah. a, it's not too much of a comedy and I think it's because he plays it straight so like as a kid yeah. you might yeah. even think if you watch this when you were five uh, you might go oh he's cool <laughs> and then you watch it when you're like yeah. six and you go what a dickhead <laughs> yeah he's the, they're very serious aren't they yeah. in what they do which is such a deep voice it's like you'll have to you'll have to kill your brother. I'm not killing my brother. <laughs> He's my brother. Yeah. yeah. There's all that kind of nonsense, and they're like 13 or yeah. something, aren't they? But oh, I like I like how they deliver 13, on it. 14. You know, like they're they're sort of not as cool and as brave and and as experienced as killing vampires as they think, but they do like go and kill the vampire. You know, they really deliver. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, how? I mean, obviously, for plot convenience, they didn't die there, but they would have died like dickheads. <laughs> David became very <laughs> slow. Anyway, realistic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else did I like about this film? Um, you, you mentioned about it being a very eighties film. I can't think of a film that is more eighties. <laughs> it is so eighties. Even like Miami like, Vice <laughs> isn't quite eighties. It is, enough. yeah. But in, well, yeah, it's like that's a TV show. But in terms of films, mm. like, can you think of a film that is that is so decidedly eighties in its? No. I mean, they all know, they all star Corey Feldman. <laughs> all the ones I can think of, but they've yeah. all got Corey Feldman <laughs> in them. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, the amount of hairspray they used in that film alone. <laughs> no wonder there's holes in the ozone layer. Um, Kiefer Sutherland comes across quite well in this film, oh, I think. He's amazing. He's only like 20, 21. He, he's amazing in this. Yeah, he's 20, he was like 21, wasn't he? Like, yeah. yeah. He, um, I was surprised at how good he was as like the head, well, what you think is the head vampire for mm. most of the film. And, you know, he has a, there's an allure, even with a blonde mullet, there's an alluring <laughs> cool to him, you know. He can't even grow a beard properly. I kept looking at his beard, crap. <laughs> but it, but it, he just works in that setting. Um, what else did I like? You know, he is. He, yeah, like I said, he's dangerous. You know, you actually. I mean, obviously, he goes and legit kills people uh, at one point. But you are quite afraid of him. But also, like, oh, isn't he exciting? Um, you know, it helps that uh, is it Jamie? Is she called Jamie Gertz who plays yeah. Star? She's very good looking. I think that quite helps. She's got a sort of Shakira um, to her ness to her face, I think. But like okay, a a black haired Shakira. Yeah, yeah, I get where you're coming from with that. Um I was mentioning, wasn't I, saying sorry, there's three storylines. So yeah, you've got the kind of the teen romance drama, you know, I just want to fit in and be cool kind of thing. <laughs> you've got that's kind of um buddy kind of film going on with the two with the teenage lads and the them being vampire hunters and taking also but then you've got the weird like almost rom-com sort of thing <laughs> with the mum having like like I was sat when I first started watching it and she goes into the video store and she starts talking to Max and I just in my head pop in the thought it popped into my head of oh wouldn't this be fun if like you had the film where you just see her like having this romantic relationship <laughs> with the video story but the trailer is like a vampire happen. film and it's just when Harry met Sally <laughs> <laughs> or even the two vampire yeah, or scenes even if it was, yeah or even if it was like oh um, you know this is 
you know, that's just another film waiting to be made. Mm. <laughs> you yeah, know, that yeah, kind yeah. Of way. You've got the whole... <laughs> yes. And like I said, I like the way that those three storylines all kind of converge at the end. Mm. Um, yeah, I like the grandpa in it. I think he's kind of cool. He's Fantastic. brilliant. He, 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 he's very knowing about what he's in. And I think the fact that he knows what he's in, he's able to act accordingly. Yes, um, I think he just like he's having a whale of a time. End, he, just, he loves playing it. Doesn't at he? the end, it just but at the end, it just turns out that he knows there's vampires there, and he's like, <laughs> the one thing I don't like about this place is all the vampires, and then it just ends. I love a he's film that so ends <laughs> so memorably, just so you know, like um, some like it hot as a similar kind of ending, you know, just a one line. Yeah. I mean, I legitimately thought it was going to turn out he was a vampire or something. Yeah. And, and I don't know, it was kind of heading towards like, what, was he drinking blood there? And he's like, oh, those vampires over at number 25, eh? not like us, you know, <laughs> vampires. Yeah, I, um, I, one thing I, I thought was really great, I know this is part of your review, Hugh, but I'm going to jump in because it seems relevant, is watching it for the first time in 10 years, we'll knowing, knowing that Max is the head vampire, again, spoiler alert, after the fact, um... And how much yeah. they lay into the fact, how how many how many clues they give that he's the head vampire, but they put so much effort into dispelling that, and you go, well, he can't be then, like any kind of who done yeah. it. So it's never the it's never the person you most expect or the least expect. It's the person you most immediately. That is suspect. really well done, isn't it? Yeah, because you just go, okay, well, he is the most obvious culprit because why else would he be in the film? But they've just done a great job of just ruling him out. I mean, that was going to be my next point. Was literally, I like, I like the twist that it was Max all along. Yeah, I thought that was. Sometimes twists don't really work in these kind of films like that, um, where they just seem to have a twist for the twist's sake. But like you said, there's allusions to it. Like he get, he has to be invited in. Yeah, which I quite liked. And that that um, is quite well, an old vampire myth as well. Yeah. So it it yeah. really works tying it in with that, you know. Because they could have done it yeah, as a definitely. throwaway line, like um, Michael saying, "Oh, come on in." But the fact that they, they really drive it home, "I'm not coming in unless you invite me." Yeah, you, you know, immediately your senses yeah. on, and you go, "Yeah, well, he's obviously a vampire then." But then they dispel yeah. it. I mean, but then they have a whole scene, like you said, dedicated to proving that he's not a vampire. Yeah. But because he's been invited in, he somehow has vampire magic abilities that he's tricked them all. So, yeah. he, you know they. He's not glowing in the dark. He has a perfect reflection. Um, yeah, and that, so yeah, I'd say that's all the things I liked about it. Um, it, it again. It what I probably didn't like about it was I thought there'd be a bit more of an exploration of like the villains a bit in this film. I think they're a bit. You know, I've put that everyone in this film is quite two dimensional. Mm. No one's really got other than you know the. the current existential crisis of I've become a vampire <laughs> you know no, and no one's really like dealing with anything too difficult um, although there's, there's a strange scene where he's when I think is it uh, Michael falls asleep and he rises up and hits the roof and then he flies out the window and then he's like yeah. open the window and his brother just pulls him back in and then all of a sudden he's not flying I don't quite understand that um, I was a bit annoyed that you didn't really see what happened to him when he fell through this off the bridge was a bit annoying. Right, yeah. Kind of just cut to him just being in, laid bed. in bed. It's a great scene, though, um, I think. Great scene when they're hanging off the bridge. Very memorable. Up until, yeah, up until the end of it, I thought it was really good. Mm. Um, 
So I was saying, yeah, about the characters being two-dimensional. So I've written in my notes, Michael likes the pretty girl because because he does. And she <laughs> likes him be- back because of reasons. Yeah. You know, there's no... You don't see any real connection between them other than she's like, oh, I don't want to kill you. Like, at least she has a bit of motivation in the fact that she's trying to protect that little boy they call Laddie. Laddie, <laughs> yeah. I like the bit when he... Uh, senses like he needs blood or something and he goes a bit crazy and they go to kill him and she like saves him that's kind of I liked that bit um, but yeah again I mean look if you read too deep into a film like this you're kind of missing the point I think it's yeah. a kind of a like you said uh, it's a the, it's kind of that blend between horror and comedy isn't it there is yeah. some genuinely laugh out loud moments in this and then there's some genuinely like horrifying bits like when the one of the vampires is melts in the bath and then there's yeah. a little jump scare when he comes back out. <laughs> the the scene that always liked. got me when I was younger was yeah. the the bit where they go for the skinheads on the beach. It's just oh, yeah. that's brutal, brutal, isn't it? Where he bites the top of his head off. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've heard but, from I read on, I read, on fire and stuff like that. I read one of the goofs was that one of the guys in that group is the guy they take out of his car you know the, the one whose girlfriend he bumps into at the start of the film yeah and that he's just and they've already supposed to kill him <laughs> yeah just as like maybe they'd run out of people to use or something I'm not sure <laughs> again it's one of those films where if you start looking t- into it too much you'd be like well what are the local law enforcement doing <laughs> yeah. all these kids and people are going missing and no one gives a flying monkey and local law yeah. enforcement going missing as well yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. dropping like flies yeah, so, yeah, that was pretty much everything that I had to say on it. One thing I would say is you can see where there was a lot of inspiration from other films on other, on other TV. So I think one of the issues I kind of had was by the time I've gotten around to watching it now in 2020, I feel like I've seen the idea of this played out. You know, I've seen all the episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've seen, you know, Interview with a Vampire. I've seen you know, Stranger Things. There's a lot of things that can trace its kind of Mm, lineage back to this. Yeah, I think it had a lot of influence. Yeah, it did, didn't it? You can see it as well. Like, you know, the vampires are inherently quite cool people (laughs) in this film. You actually kind of, you can see how Michael would, you know, get involved with them because there's, you know, a nice pretty girl and there's some cool guys who are like saying, come do cool stuff with us. Yeah. You know, it's well, very he looks way it? older than how old he's meant to be. How old do you think he's meant to be? Because like, when you go back to school, things are going to change. Like, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm the lead. <laughs> I'm the front man of the doors. <laughs> I'm not going back to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there is what are the like. There's little things that annoy me where when uh, Sam goes into the house at first and he's like there's no TV and it's like oh yeah no TV in this massive house out in the countryside next to um, a fairground with lots of young women in what what are you going to do with yourself <laughs> no idea you know nothing the, to do on a night and the cast actually loved that um, Corey Feldman in particular and, and Corey Haim because they were too young to go on their big nights out and stuff with everyone they they had a great time uh, playing in the, in the festival and I got into a bit of a a bit of a wormhole kind of oh is that the word uh, into, yeah, into a bit of an internet wormhole kind of looking at, into the cast and Corham has got just one of the most cliched tragic lives you know sort of died yeah. at 38 he was uh, I think Corey Feldman was already a drug addict by this point and then Corham tried marijuana for the first time on this film 
and just had a horrible time afterwards, sort of sexual abuse and drug addiction. And Wait, what, Corey Feldman was already a drug addict when he made this film? He got fired for a day because um, he was he kept falling asleep and not being able to do his part, and he's just so young. This is, you know... Jesus, it's just drug addict at that age? For all of the, like, people... D- you does know, he realise the film he's in? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, and, and yeah, it, it's just both uh, real victims of the the Hollywood system of the time, and all of the all of the stringent rules around things now. It's really to prevent this sort of stuff. It's real kind of cliched peak stuff. Um, they became the two Corys. They were in seven films together. Six after this, um, but then he ended up being homeless. He was eventually Tell taken in two thousand eight. He was homeless. He was taken in by Brooke McCarter, who played the blonde haired um, uh, vampire in this. Who became his manager for a bit but yeah. he, but even, even he's with dead all, as well now isn't he and he died yeah of a, of a rare kidney issue and um cory uh, described this as being one of the sort of great personal moments of his life you know before the rest of his life was shit basically um so that like you say with all that with the the location they're in it, it does seem like a fun place mm. to be a 13 year old in that kind of environment yeah yeah or six, I mean, 16 as they were i wish 15 16 yeah, I mean, I must have. I wish I had seen this film when I was like, you know, eleven or twelve years old in the nineties. Yeah, or the early two thousands. I feel like watching it now. I'm, I'll be honest with you both. I got a little bit bored. Was there a um, particular part where you started to win? No, it was just more the because it's one of these iconic films of the eighties that kind of a lot of a lot of films and TV shows have kind of done these storylines have played these out so I felt like I'd seen a lot of this and the only other criticism I had of it is as much as I liked it the end kind of battle between uh, Michael and uh, David isn't that good mm. like I thought there was going to be a lot more to that bit and they just fly around it's very sudden isn't it he stabs him it is very yeah, sudden I thought it was a bit poor I was expecting him to come back somehow and you know there was they, all, they even had a shot where it lingered on him for a little bit Longer than normal, and I thought, oh, he's going to go. Ah. Yeah. Well, the, like, I'm not. I don't know, Kate, if you know about the uh, the proposed sequel um, to do with that. Pardon? Do you know about the proposed sequel that was kind of linked to the fact that he didn't seem fully dead? Yeah, yeah. There was rumours, wasn't there, for a while? Um, Did they make a sequel? They made two, two, and they sequels. were terrible. Yeah, Corey <laughs> yeah. Feldman's in the well, certainly the third one. I don't know if any of his scenes made it to the. The release of the second, but yeah, he was supposed to come back for a second. It, it was supposedly that the antlers didn't get into his heart. I think that was going to lead to the Lost Girls sequel. Yeah, that was never made. Right, I see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, that's the one thing that probably horror films does have a problem with is it has bad sequels. Yeah, you know, or cash in, you know, you know, yeah. the old Spaceballs two, the, the hunt for more money, <laughs> yeah. like it was, you know, the quest for more money. Yeah, because the sequel will often forget the point of the first one. It wasn't people didn't love it because it was bloody vampires. Um, maybe they loved it for for its kind of theme or its or something. You can't just slap the same name on and a second one and just have. Well, they they want to see Corey Feldman fight more vampires. Surely, that's yeah, it, it doesn't work, does it? No, I mean, so Kit, for you, what what would you say are some successful horror sequels, especially the ones that have got seven, eight, nine, ten sequels? Are there any that you think carry weight for the whole way through? Um, not all the way through, I wouldn't think. Um, I mean, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise had highlights throughout. Right. How many has that had? Um, 
there was six originally, and then there was Wes Craven's <laughs> New Nightmare. Oh yeah, yeah. And then there was Freddy versus I mean, Jason, and then course. the remake. I mean, after five, you must be like, oh well, we've just got to do this to do that, and then we'll survive like that. In which one does Freddy start singing and dancing? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, was that some Christmas advert or something? It didn't oh, what was that? He he did a song with the uh, the uh, the Fat Boys. You remember the Fat Boys? <laughs> no. Uh, no, not really. Uh, they I did, remember they were the ones who did. The, yeah, he did a song with them. I think. Uh, are you ready for Freddy or something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. This was at the time uh, when like Mr. Blobby was number one <laughs> in yeah. the charts. That sort of nineties weird gladiators era. I think in the uh, TV series, there was a scene of him dancing with a guitar as well in the <laughs> Freddy's Nightmares TV series. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, every, every, everything when it runs out of steam has to have a musical episode, I suppose, which is... Uh, well, so yeah. Next week, episode 53, we're going to have a musical episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Absolutely. So should we do favourite scenes? Then, Let's so? get into it. Um, I'll start with you, Kit. As our guest, what would you say was your favourite scene from this film? My favourite scene is probably when uh, the Frog Brothers go into the cave and kill Marco, Alex Winter's character. Um, Because it's just so over the top. (laughs) How much gunk they get sprayed with. Yeah, Uh, but But then I think the escape is actually quite tense. And, Mm. you know, Kiefer Sutherland's performance in that bit where he's actually crying when his hand's burning. Uh, apparently that was because his uh, contacts had been in too long. Yeah, they were basically made out of glass at that point. Yeah. And they left it in because it, <laughs> it does fit, doesn't it? It kind of adds a depth and a layer glass to the character. Spin. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good scene. Apart from it, it felt it felt manufactured in that I don't know why he struggled to to catch them. They've had to go quite far and he could just fly and catch them. But no, I think you're right. <laughs> that is a very tense scene. Uh, Hugh, what was your favourite scene? Um... I'm torn between two scenes. I have to say, I think that the the final scene where the two boys, again, the two frog brothers, are fighting the vampire, that bit's very funny mm-hmm. and it's very enjoyable. And it's just, you don't, because you, you, you know, it's like, because it's like a teen horror, you, you're kind of thinking, well, they're not going to die. So how do they get out of this situation? <laughs> and he's like, ha, ah, garlic doesn't do anything to me. And it's like, oh yeah, but holy water does. <laughs> a bath of yeah. holy water. <laughs> yeah, and then the dog, you know, the dog, is it Nanook, comes and saves the day and pushes him into the bath. Yeah. And then yeah, he just yeah. r- rives around in the bath and then you just see a skeleton and it's all, yeah. And then all the blood like splurts out the pipes oh, yeah. downstairs. Just endlessly. <laughs> yeah, like... That's Joel Schumacher for you, though. I guess you know. <laughs> how do we make this more extreme yeah. than what we've just, you know, than what we've got? Uh, yeah, I think that was my favourite bit because it was just so unexpectedly uh, silly, really, <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. What about you, Sam? What was your favourite scene? I, I think the one that's best done is the establishing shots of Santa Clara, really, uh, with the music. Just the just the lots of lots of shots of of random people. You immediately know where you are. You're immediately feeling like this is an exciting but threatening place to be. Yeah. Um, but from a, maybe from a importance level, I think maybe the the dinner party that, where Max comes around, I think is just really well done because he because yeah, just these this these dynamics and these conversations of them trying to test him without 
you know sort of ruining the social occasion and then completely ruining it and him being just really patient because well like you said Hugh with it all tying together so well I love that Max's motivation is to have a happy family forever it's not just his twist for its own sake I think that's just so well done isn't it yeah he's got motivation hasn't he yeah which is the main thing yeah it's an alright scene I didn't mind it so did you say you had another scene I did, yeah. So the because I was just I wasn't sure if you were going to mention it. So the other scene that I like, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, is just the railway bridge scene's really good. It really is. Yeah, it's got good tension. It's got good kind of, um, you know, it's got it, the, the way the scene itself is crafted. Is there's there's an air of mystery to it and tension that's kind of built and ramped up throughout it, and then the train turns up, and then they start dropping off the bridge, and you're like, what's going on here? And, you know, they're kind of like, you're one of us if you do this, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a, kind yeah. of like a strange... Leap of faith. And it's a, yeah, and it's almost disappointing how it ends, that it doesn't have a really a solid conclusion, which was a bit and disappointing. I think with that scene, with all the swirling mist under them, it's probably the most sort of traditionally sort of gothic Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of dry yeah. ice. Yeah. <laughs> I also that the scene when they're driving to the you know when they're on the bikes and he's like and they go up to that um, cliff edge that's very gothic-y as well with the amount of uh, like Sam said dry ice there that is yeah. kind of this almost invoking um, an American werewolf in London isn't it you know out yeah. on the moors yeah don't go on the moors <laughs> something yeah that's something real... almost like Wuthering Heights esque about it, you know. Yeah, well, and I think they're so also I quite enjoyed that. They're both the sort of things that kind of older teens actually do to initiate not falling off the bridge, but like dangling from a bridge or playing chicken with a train. Those sorts of dangerous games. That yeah, all the they're very sort of uh, sort of teenage gang things to do, aren't they? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Things that every town has that you can sort of yeah, playing chicken that sort of thing. Let's go on to some favorite lines then, Kit. What's your favorite line from the film? Uh, oh, it was tough to decide because I really like the um, grandfather's line at the end. Yeah. Know, all the damn vampires. But I think my favourite line in the whole thing is Sam's line, my own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. You wait till <laughs> mum finds out. Yeah. In my head, I was waiting for the line, I'm going to tell mum you're a vampire, but that actually never came up. And I've got this false no. memory of that being a key line from the film. Well, he does go and tell the mum that there's vampires. Yeah, but that specific threat. She just doesn't believe him. Yeah. yeah. That is a good line. That is a really good line. And actually, my favourite was the... Um, was the grandpa at the end but I also really like um, uh, Corey Feldman's character when he says I think I should warn you all when, the, when a vampire bites it it's never a pretty sight no two bloodsuckers go the same way some yell and scream some go quietly some explode some implode but all will try to take you with them because he's, yeah. he's such an authority on the subject without having killed a vampire before yeah. and that's also <laughs> foreshadowing the way that the different vampires go it's a great line well delivered Q yeah. favourite line I liked well uh, Kit's already done the one that I was my favourite line about the uh, wait till mum finds it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just love how it goes. Look, you're looking your reflection in the mirror. You're a creature of the night, Michael. Just out of the co- <laughs> just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire, Michael. <laughs> my own brother. Goddamn, like you said, shit sucking vampire. <laughs> wait till mum finds out. <laughs> I like how he just suddenly, straight away, just goes. I mean, I must admit, I kind of laughed ironically at that bit because I was just like, oh. 
you know, the roll of the eyes is like, he knows straight away that his brother's a vampire. Yeah. There's no, like, second-guessing it. There's a lot of very um, corny lines had... as well, like, death by stereo, and those kind of kill lines. Yeah, I was yeah. just literally, ju- <laughs> oh, sorry. Just literally about to say that. Um, where Edgar goes, great, the blood-sucking Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> the attack of Herman Munster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little Eddie Munster, that was it. That's it, Little Eddie Munster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also like the line from David where he goes, now you know what you are, now you know what you are, you'll never grow old, Michael, and you'll never die, but you must feed. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's very horror-esque, isn't it? You know, he, Vincent you know, Price could have delivered that never, line in the, in the 50s, you know. Yeah, but it's like they never deliver it in a kind of a matter-of-fact, right, so um, some bad news for you, you're, you're actually a vampire, but you'll never grow old, you'll never die, but um, you are going to have to feed occasionally. You know, it's a, if you could just sign you this disclaimer. The, you know, you can almost hear, hear Taika Waititi making that scene as, you know, as we talk about I'd, it. Yeah. Yeah. Another one I really just remember that I really like is the um, when Sam tr- tries to go to town with the grandfather. Just, <laughs> that's as close to town as I like to get. Yeah. It's just brilliant. I love the bit where the grandpa as well when he's like, Do you know the rule about the car? <laughs> and they're all like in the act of doing it. Like, sh- yeah. Now you do. He's a great he's just I think twinkle twinkly eyed, I think is the adjective for someone like him, you know, it's a great yeah. great archetype. Um similarly he's a bit when he like talks the granddad about, from from Princess Bride, perhaps, you know, yeah. kinda, could tell you, I bet he could tell you a story. <laughs> he knows some things. He knows some things. Well, yeah. um, what we're going to do after the, we're going to go for a little break now. When we come back, we're going to get some critics ratings, uh, your ratings, chaps, and we'll uh, have a little quiz as well. And we'll find out if you would recommend this film. Hello, welcome back. So uh, we're going to go for critics first, and then we'll find uh, Hugh and Kit's choice. Yeah, as we do on any film that's pre twenty thirteen, we always go to the god of criticism that is Roger Ebert. Um, now, Hugh, what do you think he would give this out of four stars? Um, I've no idea actually, because either he either liked everything about it and saw it, took it for what it is. See, Roger Ebert's strikes me as the kind of critic that would give four stars to like Fast and the Furious Six because it'd be just like it is what it is yeah. and if you try and think more into it then you're going to lose the point of it so yeah I think maybe like three stars I think you're not far off yeah 2.5 out of four which is oh that's, that's not a yeah no he wasn't a fan was he really it, it was a balanced one rating. a couple of paragraphs from him so he said um uh, from its beginning, Joel Schumacher has devised an ambitious entertainment that starts out well, but ends up selling its soul. There's a moment early in this film when it seems to have a handle on its characters and the after-dark teenage world they inhabit, but the ending of the film is just another one of those by-the-numbers action climaxes in which the movie is over when all the bad guys are dead. Has there been an action thriller all year in which the last 20 minutes weren't phoned in from the depository of bankrupt cliches? And I think in 2020 we are well into that cliche of a film like this has to end with the, everyone on the bad side dying. He then goes on to say, there's some good stuff in the movie, including a cast that's good right down the line and a willingness to have some fun with teenage culture in the mass murder capital. But when everything is all over, there's nothing to leave the theatre with. No real horrors, no real dread, no real imagination, just technique at the service of formula. What do you think about that? Kate, what's your, what's your take on, on that review? Um... 
Well, my thing with, with Ebert was always, he's very harsh on horror usually. Right. Um, He, occasionally he'd give him a good review, but um, I mean, with a film like that, what do you expect the ending to be? <laughs> you know, especially a film that is such a mainstream film targeted at a mainstream audience you can't have a certainly not in the 80s you couldn't have had a downbeat ending where the bad guys won would could, do you think this would be a more interesting film if let's say the bad guys won but everybody was kind of happy with it where they're sort that of would won be over an interesting to, take to yeah. idea yeah where they're just sort of convinced that actually that sounds a great actually life. yeah <laughs> yeah although we must feed i mean lucy comes like a hair's breadth away from being yeah. turned into a vampire, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. Because she's like, I've got to look after my kids. <laughs> that woman also who plays Lucy. Diane Weist. She's like the... Yeah, Diane Weist. Um, she's like she's like cinema's mum. Yes. She is. In films where she plays the mum. And she's actually in her late 30s here, but I always pictured her as basically a 72-year-old woman that she is now. She's fantastic <laughs> in the TV show Life in Peace. She's brilliant in everything, isn't yeah. she? Really? Like you say, she's yeah, she's she's uh, cinema's mum. Because she's uh, Josh Brolin's wife in that. Uh, James That's Brolin's right. wife in that, isn't it? Yeah. And they were also husband and wife in the Tina Fey film Sisters. Right. Oh, I didn't. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, yeah. They really work as a couple, I think, as yeah. well. Because she's sort of like ironic, but slightly more disciplined than his twinkly-eyed <laughs> gorgeousness that he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I forgot she was so young in this. In terms of the review, though, from Ebert, I would. Yeah, I can see where he's coming from. Mm. Um, I think the the ending, whilst I enjoyed it initially, on reflection, it's probably could have been stronger. But then I don't know where you go with these kind of films. You know, they've got, yeah. like you said, they've got a cliched formula that they have to play out. So you're going you're gonna to get what you expected. And I think we got what we expected with it. The fact that it does have a, a twist that is believable was to its credit, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it does it so well, like you say, and it's, it is what it is, really. Let's get um, let's get your ratings. I'll start with you, more critics? Oh, no, I, I went for Roger because it, it's a good balance. Often I like, I like one critic yeah. who, who has both sides of it, really. Um yeah. So, Kit, how many uh, Chinese maggots would you give this film out of ten? Out of ten, um, for me, it's it's a near perfect eighties uh, horror comedy mm. teen movie. Yeah, um, it's not trying to be anything else, but it's trying to be really good at what it is, and it succeeds. Um, I'm going to give it a nine. Good, yeah, I think that's a strong score. And strong. you're right, it's, it's on its own merit, isn't it? It's um, it's not as good as Shawshank Redemption, but it's not trying to be that sort no. of film, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> and me and Hugh have talked a lot about what makes a 10 out of 10 film, because can, be, can a film be 10 out of 10 without being one of the best films of all time if it sets well, itself it. up to be that and it meets oh, it? Because you said Shawshank Redemption, now all I've got is Morgan Freeman narrating this film. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Same level of was gravitas. taken back by Star's beauty. <laughs> you would do anything to be with her. I mean, that, that's pretty high, because I think, there are, for me, there are very few 10 out of 10 yeah, films. Uh, yeah, exactly. Shawshank Redemption is one of them, actually. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, you could get into the question: Is can you, can there ever be a ten out of ten? Is there any films that are because would in theory a ten be a perfect film? And by all measures, piece of art can never be perfect. No, but Godfather Part Two. 
<laughs> oh, I don't like it. I didn't like it when I saw it the first time. I've not seen it in a long time, but I didn't really enjoy it. We should rewatch it. We should do that. I, I kind of should. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. Yeah, I agree. But I'm I mean, interested I just, if that's, that premise exists and, as, a, as a concept. I know it sounds funny, but... something be 10 out of 10? I don't think of 10 out of 10 as being um, that perfect, like, there isn't a single flaw in it. Because that's impossible. Hmm. Because it's not objective, is it? No. Yeah. But ten out of ten just means that's, that's this is point. as good as I've seen. I think. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I think I can only ever go up to a nine point nine, maybe. Yeah. So Hugh, is that what you're saying? Nine point nine Chinese maggots uh, for Lost Boys. Excellent. What a what a what a great review. So, uh, so how many? How many I mean, <laughs> would you would you like my actual review? I think you're going to go seven. Rig. No, I'm going to go six. Six? Piss I off. I like this fit. Piss off. No, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can't find many flaws in it. But I'm not saying there isn't flaws there. I have listed some flaws in it that I don't oh, quite six like. six out of ten. For me, I think because I've seen this, you know, many years after it was made. It's not a bad... I mean, it's not a three, is it, Sam? <laughs> What's wrong with a six? It's like what Ebert said. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. It to me this maybe because I didn't see it in the eighties. Well, not that I wouldn't have seen it in the eighties, but maybe because I didn't see it in like the nineties, like the mid nineties or something. Um, maybe I need a bit more time to ruminate on it, mm-hmm. where it doesn't quite stack up there with like these kind of eighties over the top sort of comedy action films. You know, it's you know it's not like Predator or Aliens or. Um, Oh, what else have you got? Terminator. It's but this is this is more in the Goonies sort of field, that. isn't it? This is better than the Goonies. Come on. I've not seen the Goonies in years, so I couldn't honestly tell you. Mm. Of course, the interesting thing know. is Richard Donner was supposed to direct yeah. Lost Boys originally. I saw that he had the production credit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he was going to direct and the cast was younger. The, the characters were younger right. and um, he was going to turn it and he turned it down because... He thought it was basically just going to turn out being the Goonies meet vampires, so right. he passed it on to yeah. on to yeah. Joel Schumacher, who and decided to raise did, uh... the age of the characters. I think having them as teenagers is the right age. I think anything yeah. younger. I think like they do stretch credulity a little bit by the fact that you know you've got uh, the two frog brothers who are with vampire hunters. It's like piss off, lads. <laughs> <laughs> come on now, be serious. Yeah, but I think it works. Like I said, in so like I like the film, but. I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not in awe of it. I wasn't watching, sat here going, oh my God, that's the best film I've seen in years. <laughs> best like 80s, one of these. Um, what other films have we watched in and around this time period? Um, I mean, like, we watched, a lot of them I've recommended to you because you've not seen them. So it's, it's kind of hard to judge. I suppose Princess Bride came out the same year. Yeah. Very different genre, but that's more memorable in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Stand by me the year before. Yes, true. And we've not covered that. Have you seen that, Hugh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. That's the limiting factor with this podcast. If we've both seen it, we can't cover it. It's a real shame. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do so. So I don't want you to think the six is a bad rating. I just don't think it's maybe up there. I mean, I was going to... You you mentioned it off air, Sam. You were going to ask me and what our favourite vampire movie is mm. well, so, I immediately forgot to do that yeah. I'll ask it now what, what, <laughs> what are your favorite? so Kit I'll start with you as the uh, as the expert what would you say if you had to be pinned down to one what's your favourite vampire film oh that's a really tough one um, mm. obviously excluding this one um, I mean it can be this one it can be this one 
If it helps, I, I actually put this to the social media. I'll, I'll reel off some of the ones that people uh, said. Twilight, I don't know if they were joking. Uh, Twilight, um, <laughs> Nosferatu, Interview the Vampire, Twilight again. Uh, Vampire Circus, Interview the Vampire again. Fright Night, Let the Right One well, In, which see, is excellent. Quite the interesting thing is, on my YouTube channel recently, I did a top ten vampire films, my top oh, ten vampire perfect. films of all time. <laughs> and... Uh, so, and what was your number one? <laughs> the Lost Boys was my number one. A fantastic. Um, well, there you go. We've but it was very close. It was very close between the Lost Boys and Fright Night. Right. See, I, I haven't seen, seen that. Maybe is a future. Maybe for this Halloween, actually, because I also haven't seen Fright Night. Perhaps. Yeah. Would love to see that. Yeah, Great what film. About you, Sam. What's your favourite vampire film? I do think it's this um, closely followed by Interview with a Vampire. Um, yeah, that was right number three is, on my list. <laughs> right. I mean, actually, you know, what we do in the shadows is uh, is right there with this. Movie. It is. Is that yeah. your favourite, Hugh? I think it must be. No, it's not my favourite. No, Interview with the Vampire is my favourite. Uh, it's a great film. Great film. I really like that film. I've got it, it's one of the few films that I still own on DVD. Actually, it's just um, I don't know. It caught, I watched it at like. It's like the last film that properly scared me as a kid. Right. Where I like had nightmares about it. And that's my wife's favourite film, not just her favourite vampire wow, film. Wow, really? Her, her favourite wow. film. It is, and when you rewatch it, you go, wow, it's absolutely star-studded. Every little role, yeah, you've yeah. got Thandi Newton and Antonio Banderas in there and Christian Slater that everyone forgets about and Kirsten Dunst and everybody. Yeah. And Roger Lloyd Pack is in it, you know, Trigger from uh, I mean, I tried Only Falls and Horses. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's a good device. I just think it's excellent. It is. It's such a great. It's such a great um, musing as well on the nature of eternity. Mm. You know, yeah. What do you do when you you live forever? And there's great, like, you know, it's not a film we're ever going to do on here because we've both seen it. But there's great lines in it, like, you know, the year was like, what does he say? It starts. Well, I can't even remember what year it starts in, but I think it starts in like the late seventeen nineties or something like that. And yeah, like, something like that. I was. And he's like, oh, I was 24 years old, you know, not not a man in these by these days, but by those days, you know, very much a man and my wife and child had just died. It was yeah. very much, I like kind of like that it goes through the history of like basically the, the 19th century. And having to adapt. These characters and, I think I might yeah. watch it tonight. <laughs> I was talking about it as maybe <laughs> really want to watch Interview with the Vampire. So listener, if you, if you don't care about Lost Boys, watch Interview with the Vampire right now. <laughs> Should we do a little yeah. quiz? So do you have any... Are you ready for a quiz? Yeah, let's do the quiz. Let's I'm do a quiz. ready for a quiz. What we all, all, always do then, Kit, is um, Hugh, as the, the newly initiated to the film, he gets first dibs on the answer. If he gets it wrong or doesn't know it, we'll, we'll, we'll go to you as our expert speaker. Um, okay. Question one. Hugh, what is the name of Max's dog? Nanook. No. That's the name of Sam and... Oh, Max's of. dog. Oh, Sam's. Are you looking at your notes thorn? right now? Are you looking at your notes? No, I can no. see you. Um, I'm looking at my notes. I'm just mm. looking at my phone. <laughs> Seems rude. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> just replying to you. Come yeah. on, Sam, you've got to do more than this. Come on, try to hold my attention. <laughs> you were correct. Can you say it again, just in case I talked over you? Is it Thorn? It's Thorn. Very good. This one yeah. um, is kind of an unfair question because it's... It depends on you knowing it. <laughs> what is the like all questions? <laughs> if you know the answer, you're going to get this. <laughs> what is the song that's played by Grandpa's horn on his car? I'll allow you to what, sing it. Da, da, what where it goes? Yeah, and it and it really stuck. The coconut. 
La Cucaracha, that's right. La Cucaracha. But I love, and, it, and me and Joe yeah. still to this day sometimes go, dur, 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 dur. <laughs> just the way that it just kind of dies. Number three, which musician is shown on a poster in the vampire lair? Oh, it's uh, Jim Morrison from The Doors. Yeah, and he's so you know Jason Patrick looks so much like him that they basically what's it what's the, I don't know they superimpose his face, his face over, over that it, poster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just just driving yeah. it home. Um, as a, is the reference meant to be that they think he was a vampire? Is that kind of like the suggestion? Maybe, but he was he's just sort of cool. Or is it just King he was so sort of, cool. Yeah, I think so. As a bonus question, Hugh, can you name any other people that appear on posters in the film? Um, yes, there's somebody from the Breakfast Club. Um, there is. Is it Molly Ringwald? Molly Ringwald, very good. Anybody else? Ah, <laughs> oh, pass. Uh, well, no, there's that, what is it? Reformed school girls or something. <laughs> there is that, poster. yeah. Kit, do you know yeah. anybody, uh, any other celebrities that we see on posters? Um, isn't Maria Conchita Alonso on one? Oh, you've caught me out. Uh, yes. <laughs> I course. can't say for sure, but uh, I'll, I'll take on, your word you for it. Have the also, Roblo, Roblo. Uh, oh yes, uh, of course, Roblo. Yeah. Um, question four. This is quite a tricky one. This um, when Sam goes into the comic book store, he asks for a particular Batman comic. What number does he ask for? Is it number six? It's not number six. Kit, do you want to have a go? 32? It's not 32. Yeah. It might it might have mentioned 32, but it's number 14. It? 14. Uh, number 14. Yeah, tricky one. And, for um, <laughs> yeah. What are So, Hugh, what are the names of the Frog Boys? It is Alan and Edgar. Like, Alan... Uh, Alan <laughs> you Edgar had to give it that way around. Uh, yes, yeah. Edgar... Alan Edgar Poe. Edgar Poe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was his. That was his cousin. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I think you scored uh, a solid um, three, four, four. Three, four. You got four. Chumbers. Four. Yeah, four, four. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kit, have you got any any final thoughts on the Lost Boys? Anything we've not covered there? Um. All I can say is that. Um, other things around it um people should check out is the youtube video of every character every time a character says the word michael it's fantastic <laughs> it's 118 <laughs> times i think that it's said yeah. more than one a minute it's just, it's just literally a video of people going michael 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 um, interspersed but, with um, Kiefer Sutherland going michael <laughs> just really very different tone <laughs> to everyone else as, as you say, the oil. You, know you don't realise until after you think about it that they say his name an yeah. absolute shit. Because often you can watch a film and you're like, I can't remember any characters' names. In this, you really do, they stick with you, Michael and Sam at least. <laughs> and um, the uh, oiled-up sax player, uh, his name his yeah. name is Tim Capello. That's right. And yeah, he was the sax player for Peter Gabriel and Tina Turner. 
Yeah, and it's funny that he's not um, g- had a bigger impact on the on the sort of collective unconsciousness. From I really feel like when I go to bed at night, that's the image most people would have in their head. It's so memorable, a greased up muscle back, muscle guy on a saxophone. It's like you said, he but, really does look like Sean. Yeah. The thing is, he still looks exactly the same because really uh, a couple of years he's ago, still greased up. Yes, a couple of years ago, he guested on a song by a band called Gunship. Right, um, their song. Uh, dark all day uh, which the video is a a tribute to the Lost Boys and uh, he's in that and he he looks exactly the same (laughs) (laughs) still with a chain around his neck (laughs) (laughs) I mean he's aged better than most people because most people who were involved in this film are dead now you know mostly well before (laughs) their time both the writers are dead you know it's weird there is have you heard that theory that basically men, the way we dress is essentially we always try to dress at the one period where we thought we looked our best? <laughs> so I mean, I do find if we that if, like, say, if one person complimented me on a T-shirt five years ago, that's what I'm going to wear most days now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we think that, yeah, like when we were like 19 or something and we wore like Sam said a t-shirt or mm. some jeans or something that one time and it was and it was a hit that's it or if I, we had our hair a certain way then yeah. that's it we're going to have our hair that way for the rest of our lives essentially speak for yourself oh, I'm constantly changing <laughs> my hairstyle so <laughs> sorry I'm constantly changing my hairstyle so <laughs> Yeah, but it's interesting. So the fact that the guy's still got the chain and he probably looks exactly <laughs> the same. He's pretty, sure, he's still got the same wardrobe from 13. Yeah, it, it worked incredibly well in the 80s. I'm sure he had a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> so he's sticking with that look. That's great. Hugh, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts? No, that was... I enjoyed I enjoyed that. It was... Uh, yeah, uh, I had fun with it. One remaining question then is what are we going to watch next week? So, next week, we're going to change uh, genres, um, and we're going to watch the um, film called Master and Commander, Far mm. Side of the World. Yeah, we're going to watch a film about some blokes in a boat. Is that, jo- is that Joel some... Silver? Producer. No, he's a producer. I don't think he directs. It's um, Peterson, um, Wolfgang Peterson. Was it? Oh. Yeah, he did Dash Boot. Oh, jeez. He went on about... 20 years later to make this yeah. wow. it's got old Rusty in so it should be good fun do you know anything else about it Sam? really it's, it's about ships and not Russell Crowe's in it I, I don't really know anything about it has it got someone else yeah, like Orlando so. Bloomy type person in it as well uh, it's got uh, Paul Bettany in it Paul Bettany that's what I'm thinking just a sort of generic blonde sort of English posh actor is it based on yes. the, the computer game no <laughs> it's based on a, a series of books Written by an American who, uh, so in, in the original like novel, the f- apparently it's an American ship hunting down a British ship during like the War of Independence. But for the film, they changed it to a British ship hunting down a French ship during the <laughs> Napoleonic Wars. <laughs> for reasons, easy, yeah, lateral move. Yeah. Easy, but, easy, have easy. you have you seen it, Kit? I have. Yes. Did, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was, it's a good film. Not enough zombies. It is, it's better than it's. It, there isn't enough zombies, I agree with that, but it's, it is one of those, isn't it? It's better than you expect, yeah. I think, is what yeah. I would, um, Russell Crowe's great in it. Yeah, he's, he's... Sometimes with Russell Crowe, it's hard to take his ego out of a film, isn't it? Yeah. And to have him be saving the day, but in this, I think he does... 
they've they've reined him in just the right amount to get his uh, acting chops across. He's very good yeah. at that kind of guy in command of things, isn't he? Uh, yeah. In an institutional situation. <laughs> Although, <laughs> I, I still think my favourite role of yeah. his is in L.A. Confidential. He's great in that, isn't he? Yeah, that's a great film. My favourite is, uh, I, I prefer The Nice Guys. That's my favourite role of uh, Russell Crowe's. <laughs> great film. Though. I think the thing is, Ryan Gosling's really good in that film as well. Yeah. That's one of his better performances. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what we're going to do next week. So my uh, my question for you is, uh, if our audience wants to get in touch, maybe they want to hear again what Kit's uh, podcast is called, how can they get in touch with us, Hugh? So what they need to do, Sam is they need to go down to a fun fair and hopefully, <laughs> if they're lucky, run into some local vampires. Yeah. They then need to uh, join that brood of local vampires. Um, that's that's a requisite. If they don't do that, I mean, why, why are they even bothering? And they all listen <laughs> to my show, so... Frank. Yeah, they, that's right. If they don't listen to Kit's show as well... I mean, look, they're vampires. They're going to be dressed in leather and black and have bad mullets. I mean, they're going to be into the horror films. You know, that's like part of the deal. You know, that before they actually turn you into a vampire, they sit you down and make you listen to Kit's podcast um, yep. just to check if you're worthy or or if you're chow, essentially. That's, that's how they judge it. Um, so, yeah, so once you have been turned into a vampire, um, you need to find yourself a computer and maybe write us a quick email to the email address at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com Sam Excellent. if they can't be asked doing all that and you know who, who's got time in such a busy world to do all that yeah, where absolutely. else can they reach us they, they can quite simply find an internet you know enabled device and go to twitter and get us at pleasewatchpod Kit where can they get in touch with you where can they find you uh, they can find me on facebook under everything fear everything uh, hyphen fear, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twitter, <know> <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, and um, yeah, or on my website, everything fear, everything hyphen fear dot com. Fantastic. What's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? Is it just everything at everything fear? Yeah. Beans. Excellent stuff. Well, Kit, it remains oh. for us to uh, thank you again for coming on. It's, yeah. it's been a fantastic. No, thank guest. you for having me. Yeah, lots of yeah, fun. You, you, do you know what? We'll have to get Kit and Ben on the the horror powers combined. I think. <laughs> um, our, our Sam's my friend. He's a, he's a big horror fan. You two would literally talk for hours about horror. I think, um, <laughs> you think you'd get on well. I think we need yeah. to get that organised. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if Ben's got the chops that you've got, Kit. Actually, I think that Ben's pride might be hurt. But you know, Ben does have an exhausting yeah, knowledge yeah. of film. So. I don't know if he knows as much yeah. about German cinema as you do, but I've never tested him on it. So. Well, yeah. Some people I'm do. Sure I, 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 I now know some people do know more. Than <laughs> that's right. That's it's good. 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 Good to well, fall from grace sometimes, isn't it? You know. Yeah. It's, it's been great too. having you on, Kit. Thank, Thank you very much for uh, appreciate it. for agreeing to come on our podcast. You'll have to get me and Sam on and just randomly talk about a movie. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> we haven't written anything, yeah. produced anything. To... We know nothing. No. But uh, we've got plenty of penis jerks so we all fine well we can we can, we can just have a chat about horror movies sorted <laughs> that you have seen sorted. <laughs> yes yeah and maybe not about German horror cinema because you know sore spot for you as well <laughs> <laughs> they all did right, a lot of well. good <laughs> I mean, they it, did a lot of good horror in the yeah. 1920s the <laughs> it's Nosferatu they German did. it is yeah, yeah. Then uh, they've got a hundred percent hit rate for me because I really like that film. So yeah, 
I'm into it. They made a lot of good films in the 1920s. They did Metropolis as well. True. Fritz yeah. Lang. Yeah. Classic uh, um, German cinema. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is another good one. Yeah. What's the one about the the, um, the paedophile? What's that one? Oh, um, where they all, they all get together and kill some Is it M? Paedophile. Yes. It's just called M, it isn't is, it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. That is bold really labelling, isn't it? That's a really bold strategy. I'm just going to yeah. call it M. And fuck yeah. over anybody who's got who's searching. <laughs> I mean, it's German, so it probably is like in English it's M, in German it's like Eins und Weine, Seine, Scheine, You know, it's like a big long compound word. Compound verb, yeah. That's quite possible. Yeah. All right, then, well, uh, let's wrap very it up. Possible. Listener, we love you very much. <laughs> and we'll uh, talk at you next week. Yes, indeed. Yeah, take care. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.